Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Debatable with your hosts, Nina and Kyle. I'm Kyle. I'm Nina, and today we're going to talk about whether people should still be allowed to remain anonymous on social media, or if everyone should be verified and have their details publicly available. So very controversial, especially now that it's nearing the election season, which sees the rise of a lot of anonymous accounts declaring support or opposition for certain candidates. But before we get into that, we have a few things we want to announce, a few very ex- exciting things for what comes next for Debatable with Nina and Kyle. I guess the first and most important one would be Magiting Cup 2021, a tournament Kyle and I are helping to organize. Yeah, we're organizing it together with Debaters for Lenny, which is an ally group for Dapat Sileni. But what this tournament is really about is to get people to register to vote. So that's the reason why, number one, it's free. And I want to emphasize that it's free. Number two, we have cash prizes. And number three, we have a separate break category for new voters this coming elections to communicate that showing up to vote, expressing yourself through the ballot is an act of heroism in and of itself because you're actively helping shape the future of our country. And I think that regardless of where you fall in that, you know, in politics or whatnot, that is something that everyone should be able to get behind. So that's what we have for Magiting Cup. It'll be held August 28 to 30. So the final round will happen on National Heroes Day because that's what our new voters are essentially. They are new heroes for us. And we have a great edge score. You can look it up at facebook.com slash magitingcup. We'll also link the details in this episode along with the tweets surrounding this episode so you know how to register as well as more details in the tournament. Or if you want to donate, you can do that as well and we'll give you avenues to do so. Yeah. The second thing that we wanted to talk about is a new show that we're having. Well, it's not really a new show, a separate thing, but it's like a new kind of episode that we're going to be doing weekly where we basically discuss what happened over the past week. Mm-hmm. This is called Matter Loading with Nina and Kyle. Wow, very creative, so creative. innovative uh, episodes title. But basically, it's still going to be on our podcast. It's just going to be posted on a different day, but still weekly. So expect two episodes per week. One named Debatable, where we talk about debatable issues as well as debate topics. And the Friday episode, which is dedicated to matter loading for whatever weekend tournament you have. Because we believe that it's important to stay up to date because being an average reasonable person means that you're always up to date with certain topics and certain news articles that you'd expect to read within the week. So hopefully we all build that habit of reading together and you know learning about the world together outside of just how it's debatable. So we hope that we can be part of your matter loading routine every Friday night. Um, the last thing that we want to talk about is Worlds because last week, I believe, Worlds just ended and we've had... Fi- Worlds just ended. Woo, how scary. <laughs> <laughs> the Worlds University's debating championship ended and we've had a historic run as a Philippine contingent. We've had two teams in the English as a second language category grand final. We've had um, a, a Filipino representative in the public speaking tournament. We've also had a Filipino team in the Masters Cup. And in fact, those latter two actually ended up winning 
the mm-hmm. their respective championships and perhaps most historically we've had two Filipino teams reaching the open grand final which is something that no Asian team to my knowledge has been able to do for the past 40 years and all of a sudden two teams did it um from the Philippines in the same year so i think a question that we need to ask ourselves is what do we take away from this because obviously this is a huge huge achievement not just for ateneo but for the entirety of the philippine contingent so the question now is how should people take this because everyone is proud everyone is inspired but i've heard concerns about like does this mean that these particular debaters are so far out of our league what is even the point of competing against them and i don't think that's what people should be taking from this at all i think what people should be taking away from this historic achievement is that anyone can do it you know um it it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of dedication but it's not as far away as you would think so weirdly enough you see people getting the opposite idea where they look at this piece of news and they feel like it's so far away but really what people are supposed to get is that it's closer than you might think yeah and i feel like everyone should be inspired not just trying to be the same people they are right but just trying to be better than they were because these individuals who reach the grand finals of whatever category these are people who've worked hard right it's while we always say debate is part luck part skill i i would say that getting far in worlds is mostly skill you know it's like going against the world going against every single individual that's the best in their nation or the best in their institution and we shouldn't see it as something intimidating but see it as something inspirational and we're fortunate and i feel like that's the thing right we're fortunate that we get to go up against these people in our own local circuit people would pay to go against these people and you have the privilege of going against them in viv even if it's intimidating even if they're going to knock you out very easily right it doesn't matter the fact is you get to learn from them you get first hand experience of what it's like debating alongside these people we need to appreciate the opportunities we have as well as learn as much as we can given the proximity of these amazing people to our own circuit but let's move on to the actual episode now because we spent a lot on that um should people be verified on social media um if you're a sports fan you might know about the euros uh, a football tournament where italy won over england last july 11 um i remember in visayas intervarsity i i did the debate briefing and then i mentioned the euros and people were like huh euros that that hasn't happened yet they were thinking about the debate euros i was talking about the actual sports euros oh no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah depending on who you are um you might find this issue started from a weird point or you could think that this was an inevitability uh that this whole issue started from the euros because there were three black players from the england team who all missed their penalty kicks Um and as a result um England lost um and a lot of them got hate for it on social media. Uh a lot of it was critique on their performance but unfortunately but predictably a lot of it was centering on race because these men were people of color. So one of these players asked Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, please do more to combat racism. 
and this is not a new thing to call for. But what's new is Idris Elba, um, who you might know as Heimdall from Thor, that guy who gave the epic speech on Pacific Rim. Tonight, we're canceling the apocalypse. The chief buffalo from Zootopia and also Nelson Mandela. Anyway, he said, ID verification should be mandatory for everyone who creates a social media account. Uh, they, he compared it to uh, public figures, celebrities saying that, you know, people in the public eye get verified on social media. Um, and the process of verification requires them to prove their own identities. So everyone knows that, you know, this person is really the one who they're speaking to. But, you know, they said that if you're a private individual, you can use this veil of privacy, this un- this anonymity to do cowardly acts. Uh, and if they said that if we do that, then social media isn't a safe space anymore. Uh, if cowards want to spot racism or xenophobia, then Idris Elba says, well, say it with your real name, not your fake username. So Nina, I want to start you know, the discussion with you. Because you've been on the receiving end of unfair attacks from anonymous trolls. What's your opinion on this? Yeah, so I've had an extensive history with anonymity. Um, There was a time where I would get a lot of rape threats on Twitter. I would get people trying to dox me on Curious Cat. And that's because I was very outspoken about the current administration. Um which led to a lot of those criticisms, um, which I felt like went over the line. But personally, despite that experience, I'm still personally against having verified accounts, but having my experience and knowing how people have gone through it, I completely understand the logic behind wanting something like this. I am just a small individual. Like I only received like a few hundred of those things. But I imagine how much of a mental toll it takes on someone if they receive millions or even just thousands of those kinds of messages, right? So if I were someone who had to defend the removal of anonymity, I would easily say, one, it prevents people from spouting out opinions and things that they don't double check. It, not just in terms of hateful comments, but also in terms of fake news, wrong information, active disinformation, etc. So I would argue first, it makes people much more careful. I would also argue that it makes them accountable because if they aren't careful and they still choose to do something, it's easier to hold individuals accountable by knowing who these people are. You can probably sue them if you want. Can you sue them if they do like certain things online, Kyle? <laughs> like, well, it, it depends on the thing. Well, right. this is not legal advice. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it really does depend on, on the thing. So like if it's just like a racist comment that is not about a single person in particular, then it's not really like libelous or, or slant, slandering. It's not slanderous. It's not defamation if it's not against a particular person, even though it might be racist. So I I remember there was a case before where I, I think the name of this case was Movers. So it's not it's not legal advice. I'm just saying what this case says. It's Movers MVRS which published an article uh, about Muslims uh, saying that the reason why they don't eat pork or other animals, uh, especially during Ramadan, is because they worship these animals. So they said that they worship pigs, for example. 
So um, an Islamic uh, Dawa Council sued uh, the the newspaper, saying that well, this is libel. Um, and the Supreme Court said, well, it's not really libel because no one in particular was being um, attacked. So even if it might be racist, it might not. They might not really get sued. So mm. th- that's a that's an issue that we have with our libel laws. But you can also say that it's not an issue because I am of the belief that we shouldn't have libel laws to begin with, or even cyber oh, that, libel. That's another debate. That's another, that, debate. that's another debate. But anyway, um, you may or may not get sued depending on mm. what it is that you do or say. But if so it, it is seems, against uh, yeah, an individual... It seems, it seems to need to be targeted, right? Yeah, it, it does definitely need to be targeted. Again, it's not legal advice. I'm not telling you to, you know, be racist online because as long as you're not targeting a single individual that it's not, you know, something that you can get sued for. There are probably in, in different jurisdictions um, actual laws against hate speech in general, like mm. discriminatory rhetoric, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so the arguments I would run so besides having them be more careful with what they post, besides having accountability, I would say the feeling of safety of people, like even if there's nothing bad happening yet, or even there are if there are other ways to correct the wrong behavior of people, the sense of security someone has knowing that they're talking to a real person and knowing, for example, that something can be done if they are wronged upon is a great sense of relief. Like I would personally feel that sense of relief if every single rape comment I received had a face behind it because I know that I can, you know, I can probably protect myself by knowing who these people are, avoiding putting myself in situations with these people, etc. Right? But given it's anonymous, I always live with this sense of doubt. Like it could be someone near me, could be someone I know hiding behind some fake account with random numbers saying that they want to do these certain harms upon me, right? Um, but there's also this argument I would run against anonymity that would probably be for like more political reasons, like a greater scale. Because I feel like this is bigger than just the Euros, right? As I mentioned in the introduction of this episode, it can also be political. And having people verify their accounts stops the rise of troll accounts as well as fake accounts that try to boost the numbers of certain pages or certain politicians or even certain influencers, right? So I feel like the numbers will be much more accurate if only users that were verified were allowed to exist on these platforms. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, troll farms disrupting elections and politics. It seems to be the new meta. But I mean, it's not just about that. Like, definitely that might be the one of greatest importance. And we probably talked about troll farms a lot already. If not, I think that people should go look up Rappler's work on this because Rappler has done a lot in showing, you know, disinformation networks, um, how troll farms work. It's really fascinating, to be honest, and really scary. But also, there are lots of, apparently, a lot of celebrities um, buy followers and, and have, like, bots create a lot of followers for them. So it's easier for them to manufacture this image that they have a great audience so that they can better market themselves to potential sponsors. Uh, so it's, it's a lot uh, of deception that happens when, when you allow 
allow this sort of anonymity or this sort of trolling to happen without any sort of accountability. But also, you could argue that, you know, requiring verification is just an extension of what we're already trying to do as governments. So I mentioned earlier, right, liable, but in the online space, you have cyber libel and you have not just cyber libel, but cyber crimes. And cyber crimes, what we have as a system right now is if you commit these crimes on the internet, there is a cyber crime division um, uh, with, within the police and they can actually require internet service providers. Again, this is not legal advice. It's just what the law literally says. They can require internet service providers to retain some of the content data that people have. So like, where did they go? What were they doing? Stuff like that. Uh, so that they can use it as evidence uh, when, when the time comes, if ever the time comes. So you can say that it's an extension of what we're already trying to do as government. But then you have this idea of privacy where like, why why is the government taking this away from me? Uh, why, why is the government getting my data? Well, first of all, in the Philippine context, It's not like a permanent storage of data, like they have an obligation to delete uh, that that user content data, whatever, after a certain number of days. But also the argument goes that you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy if you intend to engage with others in public on Facebook. So there have been times where uh, if you are a student and you post some uh, and you agreed to some sort of morality clause where you're not allowed to post vulgar things on the internet uh, and then the school finds out that you did post something like that on Facebook, they can actually sanction you because you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy if you post on Facebook. So this is what UST was trying to do. I'm not sure if they're actually successful in doing this, but they were trying to do that the other year where uh, freshmen were supposed to sign a waiver where they, they basically said, we agree to not post things online criticizing the school or something like that. Yeah, so basically the the idea here is you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy if you're intending to engage with others in the public. But this is a debatable topic really because even if you see that there's a lot that you could gain from requiring verification, you also have this idea that, well, if trolls are your worst problem, then for the worst offenses of racism, the worst kinds of sexism, bigotry, etc., it doesn't really lessen the amount because these people who are truly racist, truly xenophobic, truly bigoted, they don't really mind being linked to racism or homophobia, etc. So you could say that these attacks would happen regardless of whether or not they're verified. And like the main evidence of that is the you know the most influential world leaders we have are not afraid to make these bigoted statements and they get away with it. They even get celebrated for it. So you could say that it doesn't really lessen the amount. Uh, I suppose you can say that you know it lessens the number of trolls because you can't just make troll farms anymore. But at the same time, you would think that you know people are still going to be racist. People are still going to be bigoted against you on the internet. I would even argue like the magnitude worsens because now you can claim that hey, we are real people that believe that there's no place in this world for trans individuals. So there's more legitimacy actually in their racist opinions as opposed to in a world where you can always be in doubt because you don't know if these people are true. Of course, that's a fringe issue in my opinion. I just felt like it was relevant to bring up given that I think it's a strong rebuttal to what was already stated. However, I would also argue the reason why we should have anonymity goes beyond just the security reasons as well as the political reasons. 
It could also be because there are genuinely people that don't want to be themselves when they're online. Like they find the online space as a escape from their reality, especially if they assume a different identity. Perhaps they don't want to use their dead name. They want to assume a different gender and they're more comfortable doing it online. Perhaps they're still in the closet and the only solace they have is their communities online that might be anonymous, for example. And I feel like that's also important to look at because you might be trading off something important, like something that's a lifestyle for people, all for the sake of a security feature that can't be assured, given that people will still be bad people, even if you attach their real names to it. So that's why I believe that as much as I had a horrible experience with anonymous accounts, I don't believe that having them become real people would have changed the experience I had. Like I still would have been doxxed. I still would have gotten rape threats. But I'm okay with that so long as I know certain people get to benefit from anonymity and they are using it properly for their own self-actualization. Yeah, it's true. And you said that people want to escape reality. I think an, a gooder, a gooder way to look at it is <laughs> for a lot of these people, they are living their truths on the online space. So mm-hmm. like if you are closeted, actually, I've, I've read that a lot of people, they've used anonymity to actually explore their own identities in such a way that they do not feel judged. And that's the reason why you have the elderverse, um, people exploring their sexualities in a way that makes them feel empowered, makes them feel like they're part of community that like if, if you do it on their main accounts, they would get judged, right? Um, so it, it really does help tremendously closeted individuals, trans individuals, um, but also you have a lot of support groups, you know, like support groups for covering addicts, for example. Um, if you are in a place that has a lot of like stigma against drug addicts, especially people who are trying to recover, then Ahem, Philippines. Ahem. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, these support groups on like Reddit, for example, can really help, you know, mitigate that feeling of isolation that society in general has been trying to impose on you. Uh, you have also stories from abuse from people in abusive relationships where, you know, their partner hacks into all their personal accounts. Like, I'm not going to name it, but like I have um, experienced that where like a, a particularly abusive person was like taking my phone and then trying to memorize all my passwords and stuff. Like when I'm asleep, they would hack into my accounts, stuff like that. My brother has a story like that as well. Um, and they don't feel comfortable sharing their stories with their friends because, you know, their abusive partner might find out. So they turn to, you know, an anonymity online and that's where they find the help that they need that's where they find you know the strength to for example leave or they get advice as to how to escape that those kinds of things so i i just feel like there you know there are harms but there are also good things as well and I think we can go back again to the politics stuff because this also means that whistleblowers can communicate and, and share what they know securely. You know, so you have leaks that happen. Um, and the typical thing is traditionally it's very difficult to have these things happen because as soon as you bring it up, people already know who it is and they can, you know, punish them for or, or what or whatnot. Uh so being able to communicate and share what they know securely protects a lot of these really good whistleblowers um in places where um access to reproductive health is outlawed anonymity can help women access these health services activists can organize with less fear of surveillance if they have an 
anonymity so they can actually like organize better um and if the the problem is you know you need a not a problem if the policy or whatnot is in order to get verified you need a government id well think about the fact that in many countries with troll farms it's the government that actually you know funds these troll farms then you know it might be very easy for these troll farms to get around that verification system because the government is on the troll farms aside isn't that also a thing where dead people end up voting still what do you call that there's like a political term for it i believe yeah i think you you call that ghost districts yeah yeah Yeah. so like people end up voting and that's because the government controls it so if the government gets to control who is verified and who isn't then the harms will still happen I think I also realized another argument you could run that this is anti-poor, right? Because not everyone can afford to get verification documents. Like there's a large barrier to entry, like I would say, right? Yeah, definitely. Like I, I not really just anti-poor, but also like a lot of countries in a lot of countries, the process of getting these verification documents very difficult. Like getting, <laughs> Philippines. getting an ID here in the Philippines is a nightmare. So like oh my God. I can't <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't even get me started. I, like, my passport is expired. Um, Same. Like, I don't have any other government ID. They're, they're not issuing voters' IDs anymore. By the way, register to vote. <laughs> <laughs> subtle, very subtle. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult because a lot, of the, a lot of these cases, in order to get an ID, you first need an ID. So where yeah, do you... that sucks, right? You need a birth certificate to get an ID, and then you need an ID to get a birth certificate sometimes. Like, I would suggest those. This is just like a Nina tip. Get a postal ID. That's what I did a week ago. Like it's, it takes like two weeks to process it, but like it's an easy ID to get. All you need to do is get, okay, it's not easy. You need to get a barangay clearance to prove that you're from a particular district and then you end up getting the postal ID. So that was like three steps you have to do. Get a birth cert, get a cedula, which is, and then you end up with a barangay clearance of the same, in the same area. And then postal ID. You Imagine can, if you had to go through all that just to open a Twitter account. My God. Yeah. And and okay, you can do that while going to register and vote. <laughs> yes, yes. You can do that and then register to vote. Because um, the reason at the same why same time. Because the reason why you had to do that was because um you were ch- you were having your voting district officially changed because you moved yeah. away from Manila, right? Yeah. So I have to yeah, it was a it's a process, but all for the sake of the Philippines. You know, I need I need to vote. I mean, I can still vote technically if I go all the way back to Manila. But like in this panini, I'm not going to commute all the way back to my old district. Like, I just want to go to a nearby one and vote safely, you know? Yeah. So I think that, you know, to put this in context, like to, the, the so what of it all is the fact that if you're making it harder for people to enter the online space, you're effectively preventing them from getting access to a place where they can, you know, meaningfully and fruitfully engage in discussions that affect them eventually. So oh, that, that's yeah. isn't what, it also that the internet is now a basic human right? Yeah. Well, social media is not a, is not a human right. But you could argue, you know, like it's yeah. the same thing nowadays. But, but yeah, you're right. Actually, the reason why you had this issue of internet being a human right is the fact that in order to um, 
get the fullest amount of information that you have, which is a human right, the right to information, you need to be able to have access to the internet, which is the information superhighway. So the reason why um, internet is a human right now is because it's fundamentally connected to a meaningful exercise of your right to information, which is already known to be a human right. And the reason why the right to information is a human right is because in order to make the best decision about things that affect you, you need to have the most information to make an informed opinion about what to do, what not to do, what to vote for, what not to vote for, those kinds of things. And for me, the internet isn't just a place to get information, it's also a place to interact with everyone. It's now the main source of social interaction for not just majority of people, but I would say everyone. Because of the fact that COVID is a thing and we're all stuck in a panini, I would say that the only way to actually meet people now and to genuinely interact with each other is through the internet. And adding a barrier to entry through, let's say, needing an ID or needing papers or even needing to verify yourself stops people from something that I feel like is a basic human right as well, which is the right to interact with others. I know that's not really like technically a human right, but it's something fundamental that people need. And I feel like that's enough for something to be considered important for people to self-actualize and to live their lives properly. So I think we discussed quite a lot of things in this episode. Not only did we announce a lot of important and very exciting new projects that we have in store, but I think we also managed to discuss a really important issue because in the greater scheme of things, this is an issue that will affect everyone. Whether you know it or not, you are someone that probably benefits from anonymity or someone who also gets affected by it in a negative way, right? So I think it's important to know the pros and cons to each side. And hopefully this episode was able to give you some insight as to those things. And that's it for this episode. We'll see you in the next one. Bye!